This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? Explain to me. No, you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's It's an illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who we have tonight? Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. We all know the risks of being on social media, but have you ever thought about the biggest risk? Do you mean getting murdered? A victim inside the house had been shot. That victim was 20-year-old Pop Smoke. I'm Jillian Lee Garner. And I'm Courtney Bell. We're the host of I Met My Murderer Online, the only true crime podcast to tell the tragic tales of how the internet can lead the unsuspecting into devastating dates with death. The search warrant resulted in the findings of a fresh dig area. You will hear from all who were involved in the case, the investigators, the droplets of blood, victims' family members. That was our baby. My baby's gone. And even the murderer themselves. I held it for three or four minutes until I knew she was dead. If you're a fan of true crime, then you'll want to listen to season two of I Met My Murderer online on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the surface, Mark Baggett doesn't seem like some of the other predators I've caught. If you were to run into him in a public place, you'd say, boy, there's a good-looking guy, maybe even a, a male model, but certainly not a predator. When we met him, he was 34, And he surfaced during our sting operation in Herndon, Virginia, which is in Fairfax County, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. And if you recall, this was our second investigation way back in the late summer of 2005. We had done Long Island the year before. 
And we had learned a lot from that first investigation. And we were using everything we learned, along with the online watchdog group Perverted Justice, in this sting. And it was eye-opening, compelling, virtually nonstop in terms of the predators I caught. But in this second investigation, we did not work with law enforcement. There was no collaboration, no embed. We did this once again on our own. We had security, Ronnie Knight, my NBC security man. And we had perverted justice, Del Frag and the others working upstairs. We were in a beautiful suburban home owned by a retired FBI agent named Greg Schwartz, who I'd known for years as a reporter in Detroit. And as an FBI agent in Detroit, we got to know each other pretty well and stayed in touch over the years. And you're going to hear from Greg in a minute. And it's fascinating how he played into this scenario. Because Mark Baggett actually showed up once at the house, and I'll get into this in a moment here, after we had shut down our investigation for the day, for the night. And so the only one there was Greg Schwartz. Now, normally, when we secure a home in a sting operation, and the way we do it today, during our stings, nobody is there at night. We just have the house. And while the real estate agent or the owner knows what we're doing, we typically don't have them continue to live there. But because Greg was a former FBI agent, because he was a longtime friend, we thought, you know, what's the problem? He can come in there, stay the night. We can leave our gear there. It'll certainly be protected. And so that's the way it went down. And again, you're going to hear from Greg in just a little bit here. But back to Mark Baggett for a minute. This 34-year-old who was a former semi-pro football player, athletic guy, was also a pilot, so he had to be licensed to do that. He's a pilot today, an instructor, by the way. We'll detail that a little later. But he's prowling around one night under the screen name VA Breitling, presumably Virginia Breitling being a high-end Swiss watch favored by pilots. I don't know that for sure, but that's the way it seems. Showing off a little bit. And on August 16th, 2005, he reaches out to a girl he sees in one of the chat rooms named Becca. Her screen name is Becca Rocks Your Socks. She's 13. Now, Becca is actually a member of Perverted Justice, But, obviously, Mark doesn't know that. Hi, he says. Hi, says Becca Rocks Your Socks. How are you? Good, you? Good. Just relaxing, he says. About to go to the gym. Have more pictures of you? Yeah, I have a couple somewhere. Interested in meeting? Now, this is seven minutes into the conversation. Interested in meeting. Maybe. You cute, LOL. You too, he says. They exchange email addresses, send some photos. 
his photos are going to be, well, much more explicit than hers. You play football, she asks? Just semi-pro. I did, I'm done now. Shoulder was getting too beat up, smiley face. Ah, you, he asks? She sends some pictures. Pretty girl, he says. How old? Thirteen, female, Herndon. Okay, now he knows. Thirteen, female, Herndon. Wow, he says. Thirty-four, confirms his age. Ha ha, why you like older? I don't care about age, she says. You're really cute. Yeah, what would you like to do, he asks. LOL, I don't know. What you want to do? Fool around, ha ha. Okay, now he knows she's 13. Fool around. You? LOL, that's cool. I haven't done much, though. Yeah, what would you like to try? I don't know, LOL. What have you done, he asks. Made out and felt up mainly, LOL. Cool. You're pretty sexy. She's 13. What would you let me do? Now, he jumps right in here. I don't know. What do you want to do, LOL? Kiss, nibble on you, he says, smiley face. That's cool, K-E-W-L. Would you strip for me? He he. He says he would. Nipples, he asks. Yeah, I have them, LOL. Let me nibble on them, ha ha. Yeah. Where else? Wherever, I guess, she says. Work my way down, he he, he says. Ever had someone finger? Now he's full on trying to set up a 13-year-old girl for sex. There's no question in this chat. He's a fast mover. What's bizarre, though, and I'd really like to talk to Mark Baggett about this, why does a guy who could meet an age-appropriate girl pretty easily, I would think, have this obsession with a 13-year-old? You can tell in the transcripts of this chat that he's anxious to fulfill his fantasy of having sex with this 13-year-old Becca. And he moves pretty quickly into what he wants. Ever given a BJ? Ha ha. And it's amazing to me that these guys think it makes it okay by saying ha ha at the end. It's not okay. No, my friend says she likes it, LOL. Yeah, ha ha. LOL, yeah. Want to try? LOL, I guess. What else? I don't know. What else you want to do? Sex, LOL? Wow, I never done that. My friend says it hurts. Have to go really, really slow at first. What a guy, this 34-year-old who's going to teach a 13-year-old how to have sex. And get you nice and wet with my tongue first, smiley face. Maybe push a finger in at the same time. Ever come before? I don't think so. Ever made a guy come? LOL, yeah, once. You like it? LOL, it was messy. And again, the decoy here is playing the role of a 13-year-old. But VA Breitling, Mark Baggett, is all over it. So you home alone tomorrow? Want me to come to visit? Wear something sexy, he he. Skirt with no panties, he says. So going to let me lay you down and dive my tongue into your pussy, he he? Tell a well if you want to. Maybe push the tip in, ha ha. They exchange numbers and then there's a phone call. The phone call was not actually recorded, but I have 
A summary from Perverted Justice. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. When a male answered the phone, I asked for Mark. The male responded in an affirmative manner. As to his name, he said, This is Becca, I guess. I asked who else it could be. During the entire conversation, I held my cellular phone upside down, distancing the mic from my mouth. And they do this because the next phone call may be with a different perverted justice volunteer. The conversation goes on. There was a brief silence. And he basically confirms that it's him, that the house he's going to visit is near Herndon High. It's basically just a call to confirm that you know, they're talking to this guy and that it is Mark Baguette. There's another little bit of chat here afterwards. Still want to play tomorrow, he asks. LOL, yeah. What time do you want to? You tell me. So he then asks if she drinks and if she's ever kissed a girl before. And then he gets into this whole thing about maybe the 13-year-old Becca inviting a friend of hers over for a threesome. Think she'd care that I'm older, he asks. He sends photographs, pornographic photographs. He's posing, shirt off, pants open. He asks what kind of pictures she wants. Whatever you want to show me, LOL. My cock, ha ha ha. And he sends a picture of his penis. What else would you like to do with it? I don't know. What do you want me to do with it? Stroke it and suck it, he says. What about sit on it, he asks. This whole conversation doesn't last very long. He gets right to the point. So now comes the time when we expect to see Mark Baggett at our sting house in Herndon, Virginia, the one that's actually owned by retired FBI Special Agent Greg Schwartz. Now, he doesn't show up, and we don't think that much of it because this happens sometimes. But what did happen next and you're going to hear from Greg Schwartz himself, was a one and only occasion in all of our predator investigations. The early ones, the ones we do today, the takedown investigations. Mark Baggett shows up in the middle of the night when we're gone, but Greg Schwartz is there sleeping in his bed. Here's Greg in his own words. Greg Schwartz has been with the FBI 52 years, 30 as a special agent and the rest of the time as a special investigator. He's also been a dear friend of mine for many, many years, going back to the time when I was a reporter in Detroit and he was a special agent in Detroit. He's been around the country since then. And as I mentioned earlier in this episode, was gracious enough to let us use his home for our sting operation. Greg, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Good to hear from you, old pal. Were you at all concerned about initially letting us use your home where you live with your three children for our sting operation to catch predators trying to meet children? Well, there's always a level of concern to some point with regards to fallout. But since I was an Eagle Scout way back when, you know, you're taught to do the right thing. And I certainly agree with the fact that these predators should be caught. And so that's why I agreed to it all. 
This was our second investigation. So we were still really trying to figure out how this was working, the best way to do it. Collaborating with the online watchdog group, Perverted Justice, members of which you met during the course of this. And normally we would have the house to ourselves, but because of our past relationship, because you're a law enforcement agent, you know, we had no issue with you obviously spending the night. Was there anything that surprised you about the sting? Uh, Obviously, we had a number of memorable characters surface trying to violate a child. The guy who walked in naked. We had a military officer. We had a teacher. And we had the guy, Mark Baggett, who we're about to talk about. What shocked you most about this investigation? Well, it was basically the professions of all these guys. You have a tendency to believe that because somebody says he's a doctor or he's a a military officer or he's a rabbi or any of those that you would think that these individuals are not involved in being a child predator. But it just goes to show that you can profile as much as you want. There's always exceptions to the rule. If what you've heard shocks you so far, join us back in a moment. As you know, a perverted justice decoy had been chatting with 34-year-old Mark Baguette, and it was sexually explicit. He made it clear that he wanted to come over and have sex with the 13-year-old girl named Becca. He doesn't show up when he's supposed to, so we break down for that night. You come home. You're sleeping in bed. Tell me what happens. Well, about 2.30 in the morning, somebody's knocking at the door. (laughs) And why I got up to answer it was because with the three kids, I always said, I know the bars close at 2 o'clock, but if you have been overserved and you feel that you need dad to get out of bed and come and get you, or you've had too much and you just got a ride home, whatever it might be, let me know. Well, because the time was 2.30 in the morning, I had no hesitation about rolling out of bed and going down and opening the door. But when I opened the door, here is this guy who is extremely good-looking guy, and he asks for Becca. And I said, I have no idea who you're talking about. Of course, I knew who the guy was and what he wanted. But I said, look, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. This isn't my house. I belong to a group that travels around the country selling stuff. And I was given the information that this address was okayed by my boss to come and spend the night and go right on back to Dulles Airport in the morning and leave. I don't know who lives here. I don't know any Becca. I just can't help you. And how did Mark react to this? Well, he, I remember that he had written the address down. He stepped down off my porch and looked up above the door where the address is located. And he looked at the piece of paper and he looked up there and I said, are you sure you've got the right address? And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, I'd love to help you, but my suggestion is, is that you call whoever it is that said they were going to meet you here and try tomorrow because 
I'll be up and gone. And as I said, I'd love to help you, but I just don't know anything about this. And he seemed to fall for that. But I got to tell you, what was going through my mind was, you got to be kidding me. A guy that looks like he looks and he wants to have sex with a minor? I just, to this day, it's very hard for me to adjudicate all of that in my mind. Did he say anything to you before he left? No, he wasn't chatty. He knew he had the right address, but he was not chatty. I think oh. maybe he was a little embarrassed about getting me up at 2.30 in the morning, and he just wanted to get out of there. Did he seem like he'd been drinking? Maybe. You know, he didn't fall off the porch. <laughs> he just, you know, backed up and went down the steps backwards. And like I said, checked out the address and and that was it. He shut the door and he was gone. Quick thinking on your part, by the way, although I'm not surprised with your background in law enforcement. Well, you got to come up with something. And <laughs> oftentimes a good lie is what you need. He shows up the very next evening. Again, to meet this 13-year-old Becca, he brings a bag with beer in it. Did that shock you that this guy came back? It really did. I just kind of thought that the next morning he's going to have second thoughts about this kind of stuff. And I was shocked that he showed up. But I was shocked, I have to say, at all the others, too. Yeah, it was really something, that investigation. And, of course, we... We're not at the point in our stories where we collaborated yet with law enforcement. That didn't happen until the third investigation. But Fairfax County police did pursue these cases, a lot of them. And there were a lot of prosecutions, both by Fairfax PD and the Fairfax uh, prosecutors and by the FBI. The FBI obviously prosecuted the rabbi and some of the others. Did you hear anything afterwards? Any fallout or, or did anybody know this guy in the community? It seems like he was a pretty well-known guy. He was. And I had learned that he did do time of some manner. I don't know what, but that people were shocked, I think, that he had done this. As I said, I think he still lives in the area. And, he does. Uh, as a matter of yeah. fact, he does. He's a uh, pilot instructor for a private aviation company now. I see. Well, Greg, thank you for sharing your experience here on this episode of Predators I've Caught. And, and thanks for letting us use your home all those years ago. I appreciate it. And I'll speak to you soon. More of our story in a moment. Now, you would think that showing up at a house to meet a 13-year-old girl and being met by a middle-aged man, no matter what clever excuse he came up with, as Greg did, would knock you to your senses, would make you realize this is a horrible idea. This is the rape of a child. And you just pray to God that nobody ever contacted you for what you did say online, which by the way, already broke the law. But no, what does Mark do? Mark gets back on and chats with a decoy. She comes up with a clever excuse. And he comes back the next night. 
comes through the garage into our house. He walks in the hallway from the garage door with the bag of beer in his hand, says, knock, knock. Clever fellow. And Dell, the then undercover operative for perverted justice, has a short conversation as he walks down the hall. Once a predator has made it clear he wants sex with a minor and makes a date for the liaison, the crime has already been committed. He doesn't even have to show up. But will he? The answer is yes. Then I come in. I think his name is Alex, so that's the name I use. But it was Mark Baggett. But this man, once he sees me and not a teen, realizes he's made a big mistake and runs for the door. Hey, how are you? Uh, Alex, come on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, you're not going to want to do that, I don't think. Mark doesn't hang around. He bolts into the night. Now, again, because we didn't collaborate with law enforcement on this particular investigation, there was nobody there to arrest him. However, the Fairfield County Police did file charges associated with his chat and the attempt to have sex with the minor. The case knocked around for about a year, and in 2006, Baggett pleaded guilty. Now, it's very difficult to find any public records on him, and I'm honestly not quite sure why. I don't know if he got the record expunged somehow, but both Greg Schwartz, who you heard from earlier, and I have heard from law enforcement that he did, in fact, see some time and some registration as a sex offender after he pleaded guilty. We are looking into this further, and I'll keep you posted. But what I can tell you is that whatever punishment he faced, he came out on the other end. Now, there was a contact with law enforcement in 2012, something to do with domestic and violence or assault and battery having to do with a family member. And that was resolved without any prison time. Other than that, it's traffic violations for Mark Baggett. We do know, based upon public records, that he continues to be a licensed pilot and that now at the age of 51 is a flight instructor for a private aviation company in Virginia. I reached out to him using the phone numbers that I was able to find. Left's word, but I have not heard back. I'm really interested to talk to Mark Baggett, find out what the hell he was thinking when he came to this house in Herndon, Virginia, not once but twice, running into Greg Schwartz and then running into me. I'll keep you posted. As you know... I always like to hear from you. And this week's question comes to us from Cody in Idaho. Hey, Chris, it's Cody from Idaho. I just had a quick question about the original crew that you worked with almost 20 years ago in the first run of Predator Stings. So do you still keep in touch with Dell and Frag? I know that you've talked with Casey Morrow on an episode and you've mentioned your old producer, Lynn Keller. Anyway, I was just trying to come up with a question no one has asked yet. So keep doing what you're doing and stay safe out there. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Cody. That is a great question. Uh, As you heard earlier in this episode, I do keep in contact with Greg Schwartz, 
who helped us by providing his home during that second investigation. And I have talked to Frag and Dell over the years. Dell was with Twitter as chief compliance officer, I believe, for quite some time. And now I believe she's a consultant in that same world. She's done very well for herself, which is no surprise to me. Very clever, very smart, very creative. Frag, the last time I checked, was working in the physical fitness business as a trainer of sorts. Another lovely human being. Frag did well early in his career, and I get the sense that he can do pretty much whatever he wants. He certainly made an impact with perverted justice, and we all owe him a debt of gratitude there. I should reach out. I'd love to sit down with both Frag and Dell, catch up. Lynn Keller, still a producer for the network. Very good friend, Casey Morrow, another dear friend, the decoy, who is involved in a number of endeavors, also involving physical fitness. But I will tell you one interesting story, speaking of all the connections. And I should mention also that Ron Knight and I continue to be very close friends. He's retired now. I think I finally wore him out. But here's something interesting that nobody knows outside of the predator circle. Frag had somehow online become aware that a suspect on the FBI's top 10 most wanted was over the border in Mexico. And he had figured out exactly where this most wanted criminal was. And he tried to call the FBI on the West Coast and didn't get very far. So finally, out of frustration, he called Greg Schwartz, whose number he had from the sting operation in Herndon, Virginia. Schwartz made two different phone calls. And the next thing you know, there's an FBI Black Hawk chopper going into Mexico to arrest this very much wanted suspect. Thanks to Frag and thanks to Greg Schwartz. And thanks to you for listening to another episode of Predators I've Caught. If you're looking for me, I'm all over social media, at Chris Hansen on Twitter, official Chris Hansen on Instagram, TikTok, have a seat with Chris Hansen, Cameo, and on True Blue, my streaming crime network, T-R-U-B-L-U, watch trueblue.com for details with brand new Predator Investigations, We're editing a new one as we speak, heading out to shoot some more very soon. Watch trueblue.com for details. And as always, you can reach me right here at chris at predatorpodcast.com. I'll be watching and listening.